Thank you, Sister Carrie, for that beautiful song. Amen. Very timely song. If there's one thing this country needs and our churches need is for the Lord to pour His Spirit out on us all. Amen. And you know, we, 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 we tend to think that's a one-time event. It's not. We need spiritual awakening in this nation like we've never needed it before. Amen. We need spiritual awakening in our area like we've never needed it before. We need spiritual awakening in our churches like we've never needed it before. We need the Lord to pour out His Spirit on us. Amen? To strengthen us, to empower us, to, to give us the courage and the boldness to proclaim Him and who He is. And that's what we're all about, y'all. Amen? We, we have uh, allowed so much of the world to come in and seep into our Christian walk that we don't know which way we're going. And, and we need to know. We need to get down. We need to get filled. We need to figure out which way we want to go. And we need to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. That's going to come as He pours, pours out His Spirit. Because without that Spirit to lead you, you cannot follow Jesus Christ. Amen. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You cannot follow Christ without being filled with the Spirit. Now let's get filled with the Spirit. Let's pray that the Lord, uh, the, that the Spirit would fall upon this place today and that people would come to the realization of how great our God is, but it, more importantly, how much we need Him. Amen? We need Him in, a, in, in, a, in, in such a, a, a way that, that we can make a change and make a difference. And we can do that. God can always make a difference. Amen. If we allow him to do that. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings. Book of 1 Kings. I'm going to be reading from chapter 19. It's going to be kind of a lengthy reading. It's going to be very familiar to you. The title of this message is From Fear to Encounter. From Fear to Encounter. If there's one thing that's going around this nation today in our own area today, there's a fear that, that, that has got people uh, so, this is my South Arkansas word, discombobulated that they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to believe. They don't know which direction to go. They don't know whether they want to have faith in God or faith in man. They don't want to know whether they want to believe the hospitals and the doctors or they want to believe this scientist. They want to believe this news out and that. It's time we quit listening to all the news and all the words and all the junk and all the noise. And it's time we start listening to someone else. Amen. Amen. Someone we should have been listening to the whole time. He is a holy God and he's doing this to us right now. Amen. 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 So let's read this scripture. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we'll read 18 verses. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a message, messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. <clears throat> and when he saw that, he arose, and he went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. 
and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Now listen to that. He was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. He went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, <coughs> there came a voice unto him. And again he said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, of, of Bamalah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the needs which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him Father, thank you for your word. Show us from this scripture, a very familiar scripture, what you would have us to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, history, uh, the, the Elijah has, has a history. And it's always, in, in, in all the studies of, uh, in 1 Kings where Elijah is mentioned, 
which uh, he, he makes his grand entrance in chapter 17 uh, as, a, as a prophet. He's unheard of until then. But he was introduced to a wicked king and queen named Ahab and Jezebel. Y'all, that name Jezebel still rings today. It's associated usually with something that's unholy, something that's uh, that's against nature, and uh, and and it's uh, it's got a it's got a sour ring to that name even today. How many of you have got a child named Jezebel? How many of you would name your child Jezebel? How many of you know anybody that's named Jezebel? I've heard people been called Jezebels before, but I've never met anyone who had that name. Have you? There's a reason for that. Amen. And it comes from the Bible. The reason you never hear that name mentioned or called uh, 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 on, on a birth certificate. And so when you look in uh, chapter 16 uh, of 1 Kings right here, let's go back just a couple of chapters and we're going to be introduced here uh, to Ahab and Jezebel. I'm going to read you from verses 29 through uh, 33. And this, is, this is what uh, the Bible says. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the king of Am uh, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as it had been uh, a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, that he took to, to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethanbel, uh, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. He was a wicked king. Amen. And he got to reign for a long time. Amen. You have to understand that in our world today, we have so much reliance on our government. We have so much reliance on politicians. We have so much reliance on, on government bureaucracy and everything that we have, our schools, <laughs> our cities, amen, transportation, Everything that we have, we depend on government to control. It's something that we, as people of the free nation, should have never allowed to happen ever. But we have allowed it to happen. We have said we don't want the burden, we don't want everything, let's give it all to the government, let them disperse it. And that has worked out really well, hasn't it? Amen. Amen. The Lord God didn't even like it when Israel asked him for a king. Amen. Amen. He didn't like it one little bit. You know why he didn't like it? He said, because I am your king. I am your God. I am your Lord. And as long as you got me, you don't need that. But he gave it to them anyway. And they paid the price for it and are still paying the price for it today. It's high time that we learn to rely 
on the name of the Lord our God. It's time that we quit worrying about what the news media is saying and what the papers are saying and what the, the scientists are saying and what the government said. Who cares what they're saying? They're godless people anyway. And we need to start listening to the voice of a holy God. And we need to start listening for something. We keep waiting on the earth to quake. We keep waiting on the big fire to show up. We keep waiting on the wind to split the mountains. He ain't in none of that stuff. That's not the way God functions. He's a still small voice. And he wants to have a relationship with me and you. And he wants to speak to us in our minds and in our hearts. Amen, brother. Amen. And so when we look at this scripture right here, we think that we have a wicked government now. We think our government is really bad now. Let's take a look at what Elijah and the government he was dealing with looked like and see if we got it that bad yet. Amen? And I think we do. But anyway, we, we, we're, we think that we're the only generation to deal with false religion, homosexuality, transgenderism, lies, corruption at the highest level, droughts, pestilence, disease, all leading to fear, causing us to, to shrink back, causing us to, to, to not trust in God, to stop gathering. Yes. Yeah, we, we've had a serious bout. We've got people that are right here right now that have been very, very sick. But you know what? You persevered. God's still God. It don't make any difference. Who's sick? God's still God. Don't make any difference who's president. God's still God. Don't make any difference what's going on in this world. He is still God. Amen. Amen. And I don't think any of We don't get to vote him out, by the way. <laughs> we don't get to choose our God. Well, you can. But if you choose wrong, you're in a heap of trouble. Amen. But God does choose us. Aren't you glad for that? So, yes, we have had this bout, but we have persevered and we are still the church. And he's still God. Amen. Amen. That has not changed. So the droughts and the plagues from God, listen to me, they not only affect the world. When God brings plagues and drought and pestilence on the world, the people of God suffer with the lost people. Did you not know that? The people of God suffer with the world. When it don't rain on the, that's why the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. When it don't rain on the unjust, it don't rain on the just either. Amen? Well, when we get rain, the Lord don't call you and say, okay, are you living for me or not? Uh, I'm going to send some rain over your house. That will water your yard and your garden and all. He don't do that, does he? He, don't, he can control the wind. Jesus did. But the Bible tells us that when he's not choosing to control it, it blows wherever it wants to. Amen? It, it does these things. We still have seasons. We have drought. We have all of these things. And somehow or another, we look at this stuff and say, oh, it's God. Oh, it's bad. Well, that's a good way to look at it because everything is under his control. And it is God. And when we're not living right, those are the very things that happen to us. Amen? And so those that are Christians still suffer right along with everybody else. 
And so we have to learn about who God is. We must remember who our God is. We must rely on our God. Turn ourselves over to Him. He is our strong and mighty tower. Do you believe that? Amen. And not only does He say He's our strong and mighty tower, He says the righteous shall run into Him and be safe. Do you believe that? Then we need to start acting like it. Amen? He, he is. He is our strength. He is our shield, and we need to run into Him. We can rely on Him. We can trust Him. We must believe and not waver. We must never lose faith or turn our fears into separation from Him. Our fear must be channeled not in separation from Him, but to an encounter with Him. Amen? We need an encounter with with God. Amen. Elijah delivered the message of the drought to, to Ahab. <laughs> Way back in the, look at this, in chapter 17, uh, 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 verse 1, and Elijah the Tishbite, first time he's mentioned, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, who's already been king and married to Jezebel, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain Three years, he says, but according to my word, the Lord told Elijah, you give this, tell this message to Ahab, and until you deliver the word back to him, it ain't going to rain. Can you imagine how that would be like if we went three years without rain? Amen. It's just been a few months out on this coast over here, and they're already sucking the lakes dry. You know why? Swimming pools, water in the yards. Think about this. How many millions of people live over and all of them got to have their green yards and everything. Y'all, and they're not willing to cut back. They want to squeal like a pig stuck under a, a fence and say, why are they running out of water? Well, quit watering everything around you. Use it to sustain life. If it got that way, you know what they'd want to do? They would make our government start sucking water out of the ocean like Israel does, and that can happen. We don't need to worry about drought just yet. As long as the oceans are out there and, and we can get the technology from Israel, there's plenty of water around here. Amen? Amen. You know why God put that water there? So we'd have it. Amen. You know why it gives us knowledge? So we know how to use those things. We need to quit being afraid of every little thing. If y'all remember, but right before COVID hit in the 20, what year? Early 2020, late 2019. Do y'all remember what was fixing to kill us all off? Any of you? Y'all don't remember? Y'all don't remember about those killer wasps or bees that they, boy, they were amusing. Whoop, whoop, we all going to die. They're fixing to come across. They come from South America. They're going to infest all the South. They're going to sting. They're going to kill every one of us. And then COVID hit. I ain't never heard another peep about them wasps that are going to kill all of us. Have y'all? I don't remember now where it was a bee or a wasp. A hornet. That's what it was. COVID got every one of them. <laughs> if y'all listen to this poppycock that we hear over the airwaves, you're going to stay scared all the time. Amen. Break that, brother. You're scared to death. 
Elijah said, it ain't going to rain for three years, Ahab. And until the Lord gives me the word to tell you, you just got to do without. Ahab didn't like that one little bit. And the Bible says that he had sought Elijah for that whole three-year period, Brother Don. He looked for him to punish him or kill him for what he had done to Israel. Amen. And so when, and this is something that Elijah was dealing with. And God uh, uh, had provided for Elijah during the drought. Elijah uh, was, was suffering too. But he said, he sent Elijah, he said, I want you to go to this brook. You can find this in chapter 17, verses 2 and 7, and, and uh, verses 8 through 24. He sent him to a brook, and, he, and the water, he sent him to a place where the Lord knew the water would run until all the water quit running. Amen. And so the water had quit running. He fed him with ravens. He let him, he told him, he said they brought him meat and bread. He drank from the brook. When the brook dried up, the Lord said, I want you to go to a, a Gentile city. And this old stinking old funky Gentile woman, a widow woman, I want you to go to this woman right here. And, and I hope she's going to take care of you. Now we need to have a little bit of faith. We need to believe a little bit in our God and who He is and what He can do. Amen. There you go. You preach it, girl. We need to believe Him. What He can do. And He can do anything. Amen. So He said to this little old woman and she said that He went to her and the first thing He asked her for, remember, Give me a drink of water. And the Bible said that she ran to go get him a drink of water. And while she was on the way, he said, oh, by the way, hold it. Make me a little bit of cake and bring it to me so I can eat. And she stopped then. See, she still had some water. But she didn't have any meal, flour left. And she said, uh, sorry. She said, uh, I only got enough flour for me and my son. And we're going to eat this and we're going to die. You remember what the man of God told her? He said, you go make me a flower, a cake, and you bring it back to me, and God will supply your need. Your barrel will never, ever be empty. Did that happen? Amen. It did happen. He provided for her need. Later on, her son died. And he came and he laid across that boy and said, Lord God, this woman's been taken care of. I'm just paraphrasing all this because i got to hurry up. This, this woman's been taking such good care of me. You've been using her and why in the world. He took it. Lord, give him back to her. That was his prayer. Did you know the Bible says that the Lord heard that prayer and let that boy's soul come back to him? Hey, that's where our soul goes. When we leave, we go to God. He said, okay, I'm going to put him back. And he did. And that woman looked at him, a Gentile woman. Now, you know what? All this time, she had, she had, her, her barrel had never run out of flour, and yet now, and only now, is she convinced you are really a man of God. What does it take sometimes to convince people that we are people of God? What does it take sometimes? Why do we always have to prove to the world who we are? You know why? Because we don't act like who we're supposed to. And they see us in a different way. A lot of people see us just like themselves. And that's our fault. Amen? 
When you go to a place and everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that and, and there's no mention of God and there's all kinds of sin going on around you and you participate in that kind of life in front of them, they don't believe nothing about you and God. Carrie, that's why the Holy Spirit needs to be poured out on us. That's why we need the Spirit to be poured out on us and take us away from that lifestyle that makes us live so worldly. Amen. We need that. So Elijah had done all this. God had sent this Elijah to this woman and, and she was sustaining him. And then Elijah has to, uh, God tells him it's fixing to rain. Elijah's fixing to rain. Now he knows Ahab has been after him for three years to kill him. He's been running from Ahab. God has put him uh, away from Ahab and, and Ahab can't find him. If he had, a, he would have already killed him. But you know what the Lord tells him to do? I want you to go tell Ahab it's fixing to rain. Hmm. And that's what he was doing. But before the rain came, listen to me, there was something that had to be addressed. If y'all look in this scripture, the rain didn't come until after there was something addressed. You know what it was? The worship of false gods had to be addressed before the rain would come. Uh-oh. You want God to bless you? You want God to answer your prayer? Then maybe there's some things in your life you better address before you expect Him to do that. He, he tells us, I'll do this if. And we don't like that iffy word. No, Lord, you're going to do this anyway. Because you're God and I'm me and I belong to you and you got to take care of me, really. Y'all, let me tell you what. You say, oh, I'd never do that. Well, we live our life like that. Mm-mm. Wow. So Elijah had to personally meet with Ahab who had sought to kill him for three years, but Elijah feared God more than he did Ahab. Do you fear God more than you do government? If the government was to issue an order, no more churches are to meet, what would you do? I can tell you what most people do. They quit going to church because they're looking for a reason not to be here. No, how? God help us. Amen, brother. God help us. <laughs> my, oh, my. Well, he feared God more than he did Ahab. But he had to go. Look at their meeting. It's in chapter 18. Look back a couple of verses. Verses 17 and 18. I want you to listen to this. This is when they met. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Look at this. Are you the one who's troubling Israel? That king blamed Elijah for the drought. Just like our government a few months ago blamed the churches for COVID spreading. Uh -huh. 
Sound familiar? You can go to Walmart, don't go to church. You can't get together for holidays with your family. Stay separated, but leave that border open and let them millions come in. Who are you listening to? Who are you trusting in? Where does your allegiance lie? Better lie in God. So he told him, he said, you're the one who's troubling Israel. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel. This is uh, Elijah speaking back to him. But that and thy father's house and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and thou hast followed Balaam. Uh-oh. Now he's calling him out. He's telling him why the drought came. Do we have Balaam today? You know what? We got all of these false gods in the Old Testament today. They just don't call them by the same name. Amen. Amen? Better listen to this. Listen to this. Elijah's challenge. Listen to this. We have many preachers of Balaam today that preach acceptance of all sin. This leads to unholiness, corruption, open sin. Y'all listen, I'm going to read you another scripture. This is way over in 2 Kings. Because see, this stuff don't end with that. I just want you to listen to this scripture right here. Now, 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 7. <laughs> and he break down the houses of the sodomites. Now, y'all know who the sodomites are? They're homosexual men. Now listen to this. He break down the, this is, this is later on when there was a good king finally came to Israel and, uh, and, uh, and he began to clean everything up so that God could bless them again. And listen to this. And he break down the house of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord. They had gotten into pagan worship so much because this is what Ahab and Jezebel started, the worship of Balaam. They built these altars and these temples and they intermingled the worship of Jehovah with this false god. They had, they had temple prostitutes. They, uh, they, they, uh, they sacrificed their babies to, to these false gods. And they, they did it in the name of Jehovah. And now these sodomites are so comfortable around Jehovah that they built their houses around the temple. And this king says, he says, and he goes there and he says, he break down the houses of the sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the grove. Y'all listen to me. You don't think we don't have Balaam here today? We don't have sodomites living around the church house. We got them in the church house. And not only that, they said, I know we don't touch the ground here. They need to be here. Preach it, brother. They need to be here. But when you invite them in and say, oh, God's okay with you, now you're saved. Now you're one of us. 
Just keep living your lifestyle. You don't have to change a thing. We're so glad you're here. If you want to teach Sunday school, you go right ahead. If you want to get in children's ministry, you go right ahead. If you want to teach our youth, you go right ahead. If you want to preach, here's the pulpit. God help us! Preach. Our churches are full of this baloney! You say, well, that ain't happening here, Randy. Is it happening here? Yeah, it's happening here. It is happening here. Not in this church, but it's happening in churches around us. It's happening as our conventions meet. Southern Baptist. It's a war every time they meet. Amen. The Methodist Convention. A war. Every time they meet, now it's separated. This is the issue. All churches are having the same wars. The ones that say they're not, they are. Y'all, it's time that we decided whether we want to be holy or unholy. It's time for us to decide that we want to be filled with the Spirit or just we want to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Oh Lord, I gotta move on. They build houses around the temple today. False preachers let them in the temple. God help us. Continue. Continue. When 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 God took care of the false prophets and the rain came. See the before the rain came, Elijah killed all the false prophets with a sword. Yeah, I'm not even gonna get in the competition he got into. Made them look foolish. Carried them to the horror, but the Mount of God is where he had them all to come meet. He had Israel, the people of Israel, to come out and witness this because he turned and looked at me. He said, you need to choose today who you're going to serve. Are you going, do you believe in Jehovah God or do you believe in Balaam? That's what the challenge was. God answered that challenge and he won it with flying colors. And when that, that sacrifice that, that, uh, that Elijah had put out there, when the fire fell on it, he took his sword and he killed every one of Jezebel's prophets, false prophets. And this is where we get into our scripture today. Can you imagine the power Elijah had? He felt what he when he saw these things and accomplished these things, and he saw that fire from heaven come down and consume his offering. Everything's good, right? Until Jezebel finds out what, and by the way, the rain came. The rain came. But nothing was mentioned about the sacrifice. Nothing was mentioned about the fire came down from heaven. Nothing was mentioned that God sent rain. It turned into everybody, don't pay no attention to God. He killed them prophets. Hmm. Don't, don't pay no attention in the church if people are getting healed. Don't pay no attention in the church if people are getting saved. Don't pay no attention to people getting baptized. Don't pay no attention to the great things God's done. Look at what's going on over there. <coughs> and you know what? It works on us and it worked on Elijah. Amen. Oh, you get me. And he went running all squealing and whining. After all that, Brother Don, 
You'd have thought his head would have been this big and his arms would have been this big and he said, bring her on! But he didn't. You know why? Because she put fear in him. And he fell for it. And that's when the Lord told him to go to this mountain. Sometimes we've got to get away from everything. Sometimes we've got to turn all the noise off and just get... Y'all, me and my wife ain't watched any Fox News, CNN News, MSNBC. We ain't watched none of that junk since before the last election. And there are people coming to me all the time, did you hear what that? Nope. And I'm still grinning. And they're going, did you know what's going on? Don't you see? No. You know why? I don't care. Because I don't care what they're doing down there on the border. I and I, mean, I don't mean that in a rude way. I care what God's doing. Amen. And I need to hear from Him. And I can't be so distracted, Brother Don, with all these voices that's preaching gloom and doom. And if you don't do this, and if you don't do that, and if you don't listen to me, if you don't do this, if you don't take this vaccine, if you don't, I don't care about all that junk. If you want the vaccine, go get it. If you don't, don't keep your mouth shut about it. Amen. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Sorry. Why do we got to argue about everything? Why don't we just praise God for a while and quit arguing about everything? Why don't we worship God on the mountain instead of looking at what's going on all around us in this world? Yeah, there's stuff going on around us. There's sickness, there's death. It's going to continue that way till the Lord comes. That don't make God any less God. What we need to worry about is when death comes, and it will to every one of us, are we ready to meet Him? Elijah got up on that mountain. Oh, woe is me. Feared, scared. What, the, what am I going to do? I'm the only one left. How many of you ever felt like you're just the only one left serving God anymore? God told him you got 7,000 people. I have got 7,000 people who's never bowed to Baal and never kissed him. Down and, and, and Elijah didn't know a single one of them. That's a shame. Because see, if Elijah had known them, he might not be up on this mountain right now. That's what our unity services are about right now. We better get it together. We better come together not as this church, that church, this color church, that color church, the Hispanic church. We better come together as the church that Jesus Christ gave his life for. Amen. And start calling on the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And just watch what he's going to do when that happens. Spiritual awakening must come. Elijah got to a spiritual awakening. He feared for his life. We get that said that same way. God speaks though to Elijah. He reveals himself. God assures Elijah, you are not alone. Then he instructs Elijah who to go and do it to take care of the things that are eaten on him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God has forsaken us right now as a nation? Do you not think that there's an anointing on people just like their anointing was on these people to take care of what's going on in this world right now? Do you believe that about God? Do you believe He's still got preachers that preach the truth? Do you believe He's still got preachers that are called by Him? Do you believe that there's preachers that are still following Him that are listening 
We need the church to do the same thing. We need to get up on that mountain. Amen. How many of you ever lay down at night and the Lord starts to talk to you? How many of you ever get on the lawnmower riding around and the Lord starts to speak to you? Get in your car and drive down the road and there he is. He's talking to you. It, it, what is he sounding like? A blaring radio? Uh-uh. Just a little small voice that speaks to you and lets you know he's there. God is wanting to have a relationship like that with every one of us. He's wanting us to hear him. He's wanting us to recognize him. He's wanting us to listen to him. But there's something more important than that. Are you listening? The most important part? He's wanting you to do what he says. You can hear all you want to. You can brag all you want to about how the Lord spoke to me. But until you do what he says, you ain't got bragging rights. That's right. Amen. You say, Brother Gary, why in the world are you, are you doing this message? I'm going to take you to the scripture and I'm fixing clothes. Listen to what James wrote about Elijah. You know, we think, well, that was Elijah. He was a prophet. You know, God did great miracles through him. Just duh. If God let me call down fire from heaven, I'd be that way too. Well, he got that way after he did that. <laughs> If you let me get a sword and kill four or five hundred of them politicians up there and line them all up, I'd be bold too. That ain't the way we do things anymore. Preach that, brother. Amen. So how do we do it? We do it as we hear him. As he fills us with his spirit. And then we get on our knees and we weep. And we mourn for the lostness of this world, for the lostness of our neighbors, for the lostness of our family. We cry out to the one who hears and can do something about it. That's our first step. And then we start telling people how great our God is and what he's done for us. That's the doing. Listen to what James wrote about Elijah. In chapter 5 of James, verses 15 through 20. Now fixing to close. And the prayer of faith, listen to this, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to the like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven, the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sinners. Do you hear all that? Elijah was a man just like the rest of us are. He was human. He got up and put his britches on the same way we do. 
He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to go to bed. But he believed God. And his prayers, when he prayed to God, were heard and answered. Why? Because he didn't have sin in his life. He had a relationship with God. And he tells us, he said, your job after you do this, look at this, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, it's our job to make sure that each other knows the truth. Amen? So we don't err from that truth. And then it's, what else are we supposed to do? We're con to convert the sinner from the error of his way. And we shall save a soul from death. You want to know what the mission of our church is? The mission of the Lord's church is? It's this right here. To tell people the error of their way, whether they want to hear it or not. Tell them the error of their way and pray that they would be converted and that their soul would be saved from hell. Amen. That is our mission. That is our goal. We're not going to do it through politics. Amen. We're not going to do it through offerings. We're not going to do it any other way except the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It'll move the mountains. It'll bring the rain. The Spirit will fall. Hallelujah. And spiritual awakening will happen. But we got to do it. See y'all love you tonight, and uh, how many have you got now? Yeah, well, I sat in my recliner and snored, and snore and wake up, and I go to sleep, snore and wake up. I go, that's not very good sleep right there. So anyway, I'm still hoarse from it. But praise the Lord for uh, our time here tonight. Pray that uh, that the Lord will speak something to you. Uh, we we talked this morning about uh, fear leading us to encounters with God, and you know sometimes. Uh, Fear does run us into the arms of God, and that's a good place to run to, isn't it? And I'm uh, glad for that. Uh, tonight I'm going to talk about uh, the faith that leads to encounters with God. We, we can't preach and teach and, and talk enough about what faith means uh, to all of us. Now, somebody tell me what faith is. What is faith? <coughs> something that you can't see. Believing in something you can't see. That's as good a definition as you'll ever get. And uh, and so uh, we, you know, the Lord even prayed when uh, when he, uh, Thomas, uh, told him that uh, that I won't believe that uh, he's risen until I, I feel the scars in his side and I see his hands and his feet and Christ appeared and after he let Thomas touch him like that, he said, blessed are those who come after you who will not see but they will believe. That's, that, and that is what it's all about. That's who we are. I've never seen Christ in person, but I have to tell you what. Have you ever felt Him? Amen. I tell you what. And they, I had a, a man tell me one time, well, Christianity ain't a feeling. I said, what are you talking about? It's all about it's a feeling. All about it's all about feeling. Don't you feel Him now? Do you feel His presence? 
Do you know that he's with you all the time? Can you feel him? And if you can't, <laughs> there's something wrong with your relationship, amen? It is about feeling. It's not a feeling, it's, a, it's about a feeling. And that's feeling that the Lord is with you. You know, Habakkuk 2 and 4 says that uh, the just shall live by faith. And so we're not just people, but we have a just God. And we're justified through him and by him. So our justification comes through Jesus Christ. And we, as justified people in Christ, are to live by our faith, what we believe about Jesus Christ. And y'all, I'm going to tell you, it's, it, you don't get to make up what you believe about Jesus. Okay? Now, you need to get that point because there's a lot of people that like to make their own rules when it comes to following the Lord. The Lord has given us a set of rules, a standard, if you will, to follow, that we follow this standard. And when we follow this standard in obedience to Him and do it by faith, believing, then, then we're good with Him. Amen? Remember, the, uh, Abraham uh, said that uh, his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. He was a faithful man. God has always honored of faithfulness. So if I can have some scripture readers, I've got three scriptures. That's all we got tonight. Uh, Brother Gary, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 20, verses 22 through 26. Uh, Brother Jim, uh, Hebrews 11 and 6. You might be able to just quote that one. And I got one more. Who wants it? Sister Vicky. Uh, Vicky, I want you to look up uh, James uh, chapter 2, verses uh, 12, I mean, verses 13 through 20. James 2, verses 13 through 20. So faith involves believing, it involves trusting God. Uh, we have a, a worldly saying. Have you ever heard this before? I'll believe it when I see it. You ever heard anybody say that? Use that? Have you ever used that remark? I have. Lots of I believe it when I see it. Especially when someone says they're going to do something that's not very dependable. You ever not meet those kind of people? And I'll say, think to myself, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Amen? So that's the opposite of faith. If you have to see it to believe it, then that's not faith. You don't have faith in that person. And so we have to be careful in the realm of our spiritual life and, and Christianity, which is a spiritual life that we live, that we realize that the one who we have faith in can do all things. We can do all things through him. We can do all things by him. We can do all things in him. But apart from him, we can't do anything. That's why we don't get to make up our own rules. When, we, when you say, I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me, that, that means you have to do it His way. You have to trust Him that He knows what He's doing. How many of you think Jesus knows what He's doing? <laughs> Isn't that a silly question? But yet don't we question Him a lot? Lord, what are you doing? Have you ever done that? I have. Lord, what are you doing here? Come on. You know, he knows what he's doing. And, and so uh, we, we don't have the right to question him, but he allows us to do that if we don't do it in the wrong manner. And so, uh, the, the, so the attitude of I'll believe, I'll see, I'll believe it when I see it is, is, is not what he's looking for from us. It, it, it usually that kind of attitude don't get you very far with God. Okay? Lord, I don't believe you're going to do that when you do it. Well, he, what if he told us that? And we, we mentioned this this morning that until you do it, talking about his cheek, talk cheap, 
Don't mean nothing until you absolutely do it. Now it means something. Amen? It means something. Well, I need to go pray. Well, go pray. It don't mean nothing until you do it. Well, I, want to, I need to go to church. Well, go. It don't mean nothing until you do it. And we're going we're gonna to look at that because that's what this is all about. We need to quit saying what we need to do or what we're going to do and just do what we know to do. Amen? What's the scripture say? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. What is that? It's sin. When you know what to do and for the kingdom purpose and you do not do those things, it is sin to your life. Christianity and, and Jesus is a simple life that we lead. lead. We, we, we are saved by Him. We are filled by Him. He walks in us. We walk in Him and we follow Him. And we learn about Him the more times we obey Him and He accomplishes His goals through our actions, the more of Himself that He shows us. If you serve a great God that you can see all the time, you're a very obedient person. Amen? Amen. Why do you think Moses got to do everything he got to do? He believed God. He knew God wasn't steering him wrong. And as a result, he actually got to see God. Amen? And so we got that's the kind of faith we all need. That's all the faith that we all want to have and should have. And y'all listen to me. The only thing stopping you from having that is guess who? When you get home, look in the mirror and say, oh, that guy or that woman, that's who's stopping me. Amen. Amen. So seeing is believing is not faith. Faith is believing when you don't see. Amen. Faith is trusting when you don't don't feel. And so the word says what? Walk by faith, not by sight. That's what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. That's what Paul said. Walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. If you wait to, to see God before you move, you're going to stay stationary. Amen. You're just going to stay still. That's why he says be still so you can see him again. But when you're working for the Lord, when you're doing kingdom work, not doing things for God, but doing things as God has shown you to do. There's a difference in that. That's uh, doing things for God is one of them things where you got it all fair what you need to do, but you forgot to ask him if that's what he wants you to do. Uh -huh. Have you ever worked on the job and uh, you get out there and say, you know what, this place needs cleaning up. And the boss man's already told you, well, you know, I got something broke down over here. I need you to go over here and work. Yeah, okay. But this place needs cleaning up. So you get out there and you start cleaning up. I'm, I'm doing this because I got a fire hose. That's what they used to make the clean up at work. You hang on to that fire hose. And he'll walk by and pick you on the shoulder and say, man, that's cool. That looks good. But that ain't what I told you to do. I told you to get out there and work on that crane to get your tools and get out there. And we do God that way sometimes. He knows what he wants us to do and we see what we think he needs us to do and that's what we want to do. That's not walking in faith, by the way. All right. So y'all understand about faith and what it means to God. It's a simple thing. Uh, he shows us, we see it, and then we do it. And then we get blessed for that. Okay? And then he shows us something else. <laughs> That's the way this works now. We do it, and he blesses us, and he shows us something else. And the whole time, he's showing us more of himself. 
Okay? God, our relationship with the Lord God comes through revelation. The more we obey, the more He reveals. The more we, He sees that we will do His will, the more He trusts us to trust Him. Does that make sense to you? Because that's the way this all works. Alright, so Jesus teaches us a, a very important lesson on faith in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 26. Brother Gary, if you'll read that for me, please. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall have shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Okay, so when Jesus uses this analogy of if you'll believe and you'll say to this mountain, be ye removed, and it'll cast be cast into the sea, you really think that's what he's wanting you to do? No. What's he trying to show us? Problems. Mountain is a problem. A, a mountain in this scripture is not uh, an actual mountain. Okay, it's a it's a it's a problem in your life, and y'all, how many of you got problems? Now, how many of you have got little problems and other problems, mid-sized problems, and then you got problems with a capital P? And the thing about those things are is they come and they go. If we kept problems with the capital P all the time, we'd be in a heap of trouble. We'd be some miserable, miserable people. So all of our problems aren't mountains. Some of them are just hills, okay? Some of them are holes that we step in. But we have to understand this, that, that Christ is not talking about moving an actual mountain. He's talking about being able to move things in your life by trusting Him. And how does He say do it? He said, believe, but he said, when you believe, do something. What did he tell you to do? Pray. He said, pray. He said, therefore, I send you whatsoever things you desire to do. He said, when you pray, believe it. So he says, when you have these issues in your life, pray. Isn't that simple? Pray. And when you pray, believe it. Believe it's going to happen. You know what I've learned? I can pray a prayer. That's a whole home prayer. How many of y'all do home home prayers? Well, preachers aren't ever admit these kind of things. Sometimes you just pray a whole home prayer. But let me tell you what: when that mountain comes up and, and it's it's something really really serious in your life, you'll pray that prayer. It won't be whole home no more. It'll be one of them kind of get down on your knees and reach out there and hold on to his feet and grab on. I ain't letting you go till you answer this prayer for me. You know, that's the kind of prayer he always wants you to pray even when it's a little thing. He said, I want you to pray believing 
that what you're asking me for, you're going to get. And guess what he says he'll do? He's going to get it to you. Isn't that wonderful? Now, James tells us later on <coughs> that sometimes we pray, we pray for ourselves for things we don't really need. So we got to understand that everything we pray for, like if, if I say, okay, I need $1,000 this time next week, Lord, give me a 1000 I may have called something myself that I'm going to get myself out of. He, he not, might not answer that prayer. He might, but he probably not that way. So we have to be careful that we, that when we ask. So he said, but he, he says, therefore I say unto you that what things soever you desire. Now that don't mean the desire of your flesh. Okay? These are spiritual desires. There's a difference between a fleshly desire and a spiritual desire. Okay, so the Lord wants us to understand that when we have things in our spirit that are really tormenting us, things that cause us to our, our relationship with Him to stumble or cause it, He He said, "I want you to pray about these things, and you're gonna you're gonna get answered. I'm gonna answer you in these prayers, but I want you to do it, and I want you to believe, and then you that you receive them, and you shall have them." Now He don't stop there. Because he tells us that there is a something that can be in our lives that is a stumbling block to getting our prayers answered. Now this is very important. What is that he says? Against somebody that you hadn't forgiven them for. <laughs> he didn't even. He didn't. It didn't even. He just went right straight into that when he talked about moving the mountain. He said that when you stand praying, he's talking about this prayer of faith where you're asking for something. When you stand there praying, you better forgive. Amen? You better forgive. Don't come, the Lord is, is adamant about it. Don't come to me asking me for anything while you hate your brother. Don't come to me and ask me for anything when you've got something against your brother you need to clear up. Because you, he said, you remember in another scripture, he said, you leave your gift on the altar. Don't even bring me a gift. Leave it on the altar. And you go to your brother and you take care of this issue. Then you come back to me and we'll do business. Amen. He says that here. Unforgiveness, hostility toward the brother, before, toward the church is something that's a stumbling block to having your prayers answered. Woo! That's rough. That's tough stuff, isn't it? Amen. Don't you understand now why we need to get along with one another? Ain't I heard anybody say, can't we just get along? The Lord tells us that all the time. We better get along. We've got to learn to get along. We've got to learn not only to get along, we've got to learn to love each other. And, and you know how he says do that? Esteem others greater than yourself. See others better than you are. Now he don't tell people to to, to see uh, to look down their noses at each other, but he says you look at yourself and you esteem somebody else better than you. In other words, make yourself low. Amen. Don't, don't go around thinking you're all that. Yeah, look at me. There's enough of that look at me stuff. Amen. You know, some people can't don't feel like they they've uh, been anywhere unless everybody looked at them. That's not who we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be that person. But he says, when you stand, pray, forgive. If you have all against any, he doesn't just say your brother. He said anybody that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses because you need forgiveness. 
before you get an answer. Amen? Alright. Then he also asks of that, and if you do not forgive, what? Woo! Boy, that's strong stuff. Don't you just hate these kind of scriptures? That sounds weird for a preacher to say, too, don't it? Wouldn't it just be better if he just let us go ahead and can't stand one another and, and that's okay and he still give us everything we want? Or just one or two people. <laughs> 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 one or two people. Yeah, not everybody. A select few. <laughs> well, the reason I'm being so cynical about this and, and uh, kind of smarty about it is because we try to live this way. And, and then we wonder why we can't get anywhere with God. And it's pretty simple. He shows us right here. And notice the first verse he, he, he read, verse 22. That word, uh, when he said, Jesus answered, said to them, have faith in God is not a request. It's a command. Yes. If you want to be good in God's kingdom, you've got to have faith in God. You have to believe Him. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a request. It's a command. So that's good stuff. Any comments about this? You know, when somebody says, faith, you know, I forgive you, but I won't ever forget, that ain't, that ain't forgiven. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get, that makes me so mad when I hear somebody say that. Well, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget you. You ain't forgiven. That, that, ain't, that ain't, no. Yeah, well, it's it's hard for us to forget, but what you're saying is, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to get even. Yeah, that, that, yes, yeah. that's it. That's, that's what it, it amounts to. Oh, yeah. Looking at verse 25, you know, it says that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. It doesn't say He may forgive you in case you trespass. Mm -hmm. It's a given that we're going to have trespasses. Yeah. So go ahead and be ready to get that out of the way. Yeah. It's not optional. It's just you're going to have trespasses. Get that straight with the Lord and then. Amen. You know, the model prayer that the Lord gives us, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. That model prayer, if you break it down into portions of parts, it starts off, you, you praise God. You start off in your prayer praising God. And then what does he say do? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then we ask him to help us so we don't fall into temptation. So the prayer starts off praising and, and worshiping God and telling him how great he is because he wants to hear that. He needs to hear that. He desires to hear that from us. We need to because he is. It's not because he's got a big ego. It's because he, he is that. And he gave us his son to die for us. How, how much greater can he be? And so he, that's the model prayer that it goes right from that to praising and worshiping and exclaiming how great God is and to forgiveness, right into it. And so we need to look at that always. And so this, this is what he's saying, telling us here. God laid out this plan and it's just repeated. It's just repeated and restated over and over in the scripture how we're supposed to live for him. And we need to, we need to learn that. Did you notice in the scripture this morning uh, that I read y'all about Elijah? Elijah came and asked God a question. Well, actually, God asked him the question, what are you doing here? Remember? And, and uh, Elijah gave him this couple of uh, uh, verses that he told him why he was there. And then in that same chapter, 
in the, in that same setting, in the same after he had, he had revealed himself to Elijah as that still small voice, he'd ask him again. He said, "What are you doing here? Did y'all notice that?" And that, that those three verses are repeated in that same chapter because it does, it's the same question, and he gives the same answer. And so our our life with God is a repetitive over and over life. It's a life that we live for Him every day. It does not change. He does not change. And a lot of times, can you imagine what He's thinking when He sees where we are? What are you doing here? And we might have a good excuse, but that don't pan out pretty good with God. After God had just done what He had done with Elijah, He wants to know, why are you here? Feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> well, I'm getting nosy now. How many of you have pity parties <laughs> and some of us got good reason to have pity parties how long does it supposed to last thank you to God it was <laughs> how long is it supposed to last God understands mourning he understands weeping but he don't understand why it just goes on forever at some point we got to get over that and move on okay pity parties I'm not, I'm not cutting any or condemning anybody. I'm just telling you, we have sometimes we just have to get over and move on. Life continues. The, the kingdom work continues. Amen. And God allows for us to mourn for a while. He does. It's a natural part of life. He allows us to weep. He even allows us to be mad. Now I'm going to tell you what, my kingdom work falters really bad while I'm angry. I have to really, really, really be careful. My wife just told me just yesterday, or the day before yesterday, she said, I almost left you one time. Because she saw my temper. Hey, me? Connie, do you know Nita almost left me one time? I couldn't hear what you just said. I said, Connie, uh, Nita told me the other day she almost left me one time when she saw my temper. Well, I mean, you know. Let's <laughs> don't even go there. Let's move on. <laughs> if Johnny got a temper like that, us sisters got to stick together. Yeah. They were leaving yes. together, I think. Yeah, that's right. They were together. Forty-five. Don't get me. From what I'm hearing, I think she knew all about that, don't you? <laughs> anyway, yeah. But we have to be careful. We have all kinds of issues that can be stumbling blocks uh, to our relationship with God. We have to be careful and, and not let those things become so big. <laughs> these mountains, these are the mountains, he said, we got to move. <laughs> because those little stumbling blocks can become huge mountains that interfere with everything. May I say something? Yes, ma'am. I don't consider grieving or mourning for a lost loved one, for someone that's sick, or I don't consider that a pity party. I so didn't me, say it was. I, I said know. when it continues on forever, it is. I know. That's what I was saying. I was just clarifying what <laughs> I had spoke up and said. You know, take it to God and it's gone. When it's petty, it's silly, it doesn't really make any difference to anybody but you. Yeah, that's true. If you true. take that to God, you'll take that away. Yeah, God you, understands when we mourn. He said, blessed yes, are they that mourn. I just didn't want to make it sound like I thought, no, yeah. is ever supposed to be sad when they lose somebody? I didn't say that. I said I you just don't you continue doing that. <laughs> I 
Well, you need to explain this to him when you get him. No, no. Just, just stop it, Jerry. You ain't going to win this argument. <laughs> <laughs> we better move on to the next one. All right. All right. Uh, who's got, uh, Jim, Brother Jim, you got Hebrews chapter 11. Every you ought to be able to quote this one. Hebrews 11 and 6. What does it say? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Jesus, uh, uh, I mean, the, the, Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews, some people think it's Paul, uh, but the writer of Hebrews uh, tells us that it is absolutely necessary to have faith to please God. If you don't have faith, you can't uh, please God. This is, this is what it looks like. Uh, what he read, he said, because when you come unto him, you must first of all believe what? That he is. That he is. <laughs> that means that's why the Lord always say, believe on me, believe in me, believe in me. And, and so believing in him is, is, is something he desires. You know, a lot of people make fun of Christians but because we say we believe in God. They make fun of that. There's even Christians that make fun of Christians for saying these things. You can't be saved if you don't believe. Amen. And a lot of people say, well, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, it is. You gotta live it after you believe it. That's what it that's a lot more it is to it. Amen. So you gotta you gotta do that. So he said, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. That means that he gives things to those that do what? Now earnestly seek him. Yeah. He, he don't just say, seek me. He says, do it with all your heart. Do it with diligence. Now, it's one thing to lose something in the house. How many of you ever lost something in the house? Amen. Now, if it's something that ain't really important, you might wonder about it for a little while. So I know I laid that right there, and uh, that right there monster come and got it and took it off. But if it's something really important that you really got to have, what do you do? You look and you look and you keep looking and you look here, you look there, you look here. You start taking things apart. You start pulling things away from the wall. You start pulling out all the junk drawers and throwing all the junk. Where is this thing? You know what that is? That's diligently seeking it. Buy another one and then have to <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can replace it. Or something. Well, it gets worse, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I spent time looking for my glasses and finally pulled them down. <laughs> I mean, put them up here to forget they're there. Yeah. And look all over the house. Oh, I had a hissy fit one time working on the dozer because I couldn't find a quarter inch radio. <laughs> The guy I was working with looked at me and he said, are you crazy? I said, what do you mean crazy? I need this right. He said, look in your hand. Yeah, I wasn't but 40 years old when that happened. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so he wants us to do what? Diligently seek him. Anything you need from him, you need to seek it with diligence. Like it's, it's, it made your life in order to get it. 
That's why he wants us to seek him. Amen. You got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him that way. Amen. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, something a small thing to some people is a great thing to someone else. Amen. You know, two dollars don't mean much to some of us, but it means a lot to some of us. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so we have to we have to be careful. We have to diligently uh, seek Him, and uh, this this is uh, is something that we need to uh, always address and make sure that when we seek God, when we ask God for anything, no matter what it is, how small or how great it appears. We need to ask it with diligence. Okay? So, uh, you know, this faith thing is so important. You know, I, mean, I think I mentioned that this morning, uh, that uh, the Lord often asked people, do you believe, before he would do something for them? You remember the man that brought his uh, son, who had been demon-possessed all of his life, that had thrown himself in the fire, thrown himself in the water, and... It was just running this man nuts. It was running this man crazy. He couldn't leave his kid alone. They had to watch him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it was about to run this, this man crazy. And he brought him to Jesus. He said, can't you heal this boy? And the Lord looked at him and he said, do you believe? Do you believe? And, and the man wanted to believe. The man said, yeah, I believe. And when he said that, he, he said that the Lord healed that boy. Amen. It, it was not contingent on the boy's faith because the boy didn't have, didn't, he didn't know what was going on. So it was contingent on the man that brought the boy to Christ. Amen. But boy, there's a big lesson there, isn't it? Have you ever brought another person before the throne of grace? Listen to me. Have you ever had a, a your son? You're talking about your son. You want to see him saved. When you come before the throne of grace, you come believing that. You come, when you ask the Lord to save that boy, you come believing that and, and asking him with all diligence to do that. And he says he will. And he says you've got to believe that. Well, I've got to believe that. And, and I'm pointing out people I know, and, and it's not always a good thing, but... It's, it's something we all must do. If, if we're serious about seeing the world saved, <laughs> well, guess what? We better believe. Do you believe he can save the world? Amen. He says he can. But that depends on the world, doesn't it? Amen. But sometimes when we bring a specific person to the Lord, sometimes it depends on what we believe. Are we just making hollow conversation with God? Doing something we think we're supposed to do with God? That's not the way He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to come believing in Him and believing He can do what we're asking Him to do. And we, He wants us to ask with our heart, with diligence, believing. Okay, any questions about this? This is the last one. Right, uh, our faith must be revealed by our actions. It always comes down to action. It always comes down to what you do. Not what you say, but what you actually do. So this is where the works of 
of Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read you the scripture. Ephesians chapter 2. We like to read Ephesians 8 and 9 about our salvation. And it says, For grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we like to quote that scripture because we say, Well, we don't have to do works to be saved. Well, you don't need to stop reading in verse 9. You need to keep reading and read verse 10. Because he says in verse 10, you may not be saved by your works, but when you're saved, you're going to work. Uh-oh. No wonder people keep cutting that off right there. Amen? So listen to what verse 10 says. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Wow. So we're not saved by works. We're saved to work. To do. To put things into action. To respond to the need. Amen. And we're going to see this very plainly in Scripture. He said, For we are uh, His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained. Now listen to this. That we walk in them. Uh-oh. God has before ordained that we walk in our good works that we that 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 we have because we're created in Christ Jesus. Okay? So I tell y'all all the time when the Lord ascended into glory, that wasn't the end. He left us a mission to do. And these good this works that he's talking about is that mission he left for us to continue in what he was doing. Continue and to see people healed, to see people saved. But salvation is the number one issue. We're all going to die, but we all ain't going to die saved. And that's what that's our work to see that as many as people as we know come to know Christ as Savior. That's the work that we're involved in, and it involves what Sister Debbie talked about a while ago. She she kindness, gentleness leaving the door open where you, you have to open a line of communication. If you make somebody slobbering mad at you, you can't witness to them. They're not going to listen to you anymore. And you've lost your witness and your testimony <coughs> to an individual because of the way you've talked to them or treated them. So part of the works that we have is to do it the way Christ would have done it. Christ encountered sinners all the time. He ate with sinners. He drank with sinners. He went to sinners. And they, they, they made fun. You don't do nothing but run around with them old publicans and sinners. Remember when the woman with the alabaster box came and washed his feet with her tears and her hair dried with her hair and anointed his feet with the ointment? You remember what that Pharisee, he was at that man's house. You remember what he said? He didn't say nothing, but he thought it. And Christ read his thoughts. The man thought, if you knew what kind of woman that was, you wouldn't let her be touching you. God help us not to be a Pharisee. <laughs> Amen. God help us. And boy, I love what Jesus said to him. He said, Simon, he said, I came into your house and you didn't wash my feet. I came into your house and you didn't anoint me with oil. But this woman is doing that. God help us. All right. We got, we're going to read this last uh, uh, verse in James chapter 2, uh, verses 13 through 20. Vicki's going to read that for us. And it's going to tell us what this all means. 
for he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices at the gift's judgment. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you thee, thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Amen. That's pretty plain. And if you don't do it, it means nothing. If you don't do it, means you don't have it. That's what James is telling us here. When you see someone that's in a need and you say, lay your hand on say, I hope someone meets your needs and just walks off away from them. Come on now. And y'all, we're bad about serving God just that way. Yes. So, brother, I told you about that guy that I passed on the road coming to church and he was just shuffling across the road and had the funniest look on his face when I went by. He looked me right square in the eye. And I thought, how destitute homeless is this guy? And my thoughts were, Lord, send somebody to help him. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get a block, and I heard the voice say, why can't you go help him? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I went back. That's when that story came. I wheeled around, cut across the block, went back, couldn't find that man anywhere. That's why I suspected it might be an angel or monster. But I've since learned it isn't because I ate breakfast beside him not <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah. And But I'm just telling you, I said that's like the guy leaning on the shovel that said, Lord, I need a hole here if you won't mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just saying that to say that God will tell you what to do. So just let him tell you. Amen. I like the next verse there about Father Abraham. Really? Abraham, it's, the 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by his work? That's right. Amen. He didn't just say, I'll do it. Amen. He was, he was fixing to do it. He was fixing to do it. And he, he is. Like you've said yeah. before, we don't need to say it kind, we need to do it kind. That's it. Amen. Amen. We don't need to say it in time. We need to do it in time because it don't mean nothing to say it. It only means something when you do what you say. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Would you stand, please?